0: Isaiah 9 6 is our theme right into the Christmas day and it simply says for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given Unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given Counterpart to that would be John three sixteen about the son is given part The most quoted scripture in all of the Bible The most quoted scripture to win a soul is John 3.16. If you want to tell somebody where to start reading in the Bible, always point them to the book of John. It will lead them straight to the cross and to the grace of God and to the Christ of God and to the salvation that God has offered. You can get into the rest of the Bible after John, but you need to start where it it can... If I could drop one gospel to the nations of the world I would choose the gospel of John because of this scripture for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life for God so loved that he gave not to lay in a manger and evoke sentimental feelings over this pure baby I found someone, you know, if you get on the Internet, you find someone that will contradict about anything that you say. They'll take a different perspective. Uh, There are people who are preachers who, who do not believe in associating the cross with Christmas. They just don't believe in that. Of course, there's a lot of preachers today that don't even preach the cross and their organization, Christian denominations that have got rid of their old hymnals. Because of songs about the blood of Jesus. And they said we don't need a bloody gospel. And yet without the shedding of blood there is no sacrifice for sin. None whatsoever. We want a sanitized, cleaned up version of the gospel Somehow or another we don't want anything to bring us down or, or cause us to, to feel convicted over worldliness or, our, or giving in to our, our flesh. We want something that is always making us feel good and the feel good gospel instead of the be good gospel has come around and is in vogue today. And yet the true disciples of Jesus don't have a problem with following Him. They don't have a problem with the cross. In fact... The Apostle Paul said, if any man have reason to glory or boast, I am more. I'm a Jew of the Jews. I was circumcised the eighth day according to the law. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. And concerning the law, I am blameless. But the things I once kind of gain to me, I count them as but dung that I might win and know Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? He said, if, he said if I'm going to boast and if any other man have a reason to boast. See, boasting normally is, is coming from pride and uh, it is condemned. We need to humble ourselves. But in the cross, we need to boast. He said if any man glory, the Greek word is boast. Let him boast or glory in the cross. By which I am crucified to the world, and the world is crucified to me. Amen? Amen. You will never find a fallen world of unbelievers appreciating the cross. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But we who know Christ, we who have been saved, hallelujah, it's an entirely different attitude that we take. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us who are saved, we get it, don't we? We know without the cross, we couldn't have been saved. But because of the cross, thank God we are saved by the blood of the Lamb. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. It is the power of God. Listen, for God so love. When it says a son is given, we had this on film It actually happened, but it was in another country. It wasn't here in America. Before all of the automated things, there was a bridgeman for the railway. He sat just like they do. Has anybody been in Tampa when they used to have a man sitting? He probably still does in certain places where the bridge has to be raised and the bridge has to be lowered. And there's a man sitting in there that sees the boat coming, and he raises the bridge The boat passes through. He lowers the bridge down. Well, there was a railroad bridgeman. And there was a chasm. And they built a bridge over this chasm. And the trains would come. And it was a day when he had few trains scheduled. He had the schedule. So he knew before he heard or saw the train coming that it was going to come around 10 or it's going to come around 1 and he had the schedule he took his son 8 years old took him to work with him and his son got bored sitting up there and he said dad i I'd, I'd like to go out and and he said well stay away from stay away from the edge of the where you could fall and just stay up here close and while he lost sight of his son when he stepped down from the from the little station he was in his son wandered into some of the equipment that raises and lowers the bridge, and an unscheduled train that wasn't given to him in schedule, he heard the rumbling, could feel the rumbling. He looked down the track and he could see the light of a passenger train that meant it's coming at a greater speed than most of the freight trains. He knows the passenger train is full of people. And he knows he has to lower the bridge that he had just raised for a boat to go under. Or the passenger train would plunge into the chasm and into the river. He sees when he goes to lower the bridge that his son is under the bridge. And he has to make a decision that no person, no parent in particular, would ever have to make. Do I lower the bridge and crush my son because there's no time to get him out? I lower it now or it won't lock in before the train get here. Or do I let the train full of people go into the river? That's a terrible dilemma for a parent and a daddy. To have to face. He closed his eyes. And hit the button. He didn't want to hear. The screams. Of his son. As he was crushed. He opened his eyes. After he heard the. The sound. There was a light that came on. And a sound that the bridge was locked down. He looked up. And he saw the train. People were having breakfast in the dining car. They were reading their paper. Businessmen were smoking their cigars after breakfast. They were oblivious to the fact that their lives had been saved at such a cost. They didn't know what it cost him to save them. But if they ever found out, what do you think they should have done? What do you think would be the right thing to do if you were a passenger on that train? And you know it cost this man the death of his little innocent son to save your life. And he made the decision to save your life at the expense of his son. That's what we're talking about. And that's why the cross has to stay in Christmas because if you take it about if you take the cross out it's not about him anymore it will become about you it will become about me and what am I going to do and what? And I will seek joy in what I get and I will seek joy in, in what I eat and I will seek joy in what I, how I celebrate what kind of thing am I going to do for fun but I won't find the joy of God's great love until I understand why Jesus came and what he did in my behalf. For God the Father so loved sinners, proud, rebellious, disobedient, blasphemers like you and me, and such were some of us, can you say amen, that he gave. So when it said a son is given, don't immediately go to the manger To get a sentimental feeling about a baby in the straw. Go immediately to the cross. Because if He he came. If He didn't come in that manger. He could never hang on that cross. He could never shed sinless blood. No other man or woman could do that. Because there's none righteous. No. Not one. Not one. For we have all sinned and come. Short of the glory of God. When it says come short of the glory of God. If you want to know how far we've missed the mark. No matter how good we consider ourselves to be. Or others consider us to be. The word for missing the mark is an archery word. In the Greek. And it doesn't mean to hit the target. But miss the bullseye. You know the target? It has a bullseye. What are you aiming for? The bullseye. You know what it means? In the Greek. In the Aramaic it was written. It means you didn't hit the target. You missed the whole thing. You see he that sins in one point. Is guilty of the whole law. Now man's law. You know it would be better you steal. Than it would be to kill. Because the punishment and the prison. And the the terrible gravity of the crime. But in God's law. It's different. It's a chain of ten. Ten links. It doesn't matter if one or all of them break simultaneously. Thou shalt love the Lord with everything you are. You break that one, you're guilty of the other one. That's why if you someone is an adulterer, you can't pick up a stone and throw it. That's why this... Strange scriptures in the Bible. Who art thou that judges? I'm not talking about judging what's right and wrong. We must judge that. But judging the person. But Don't you know, oh vain man, that you're guilty of the same thing? Oh, no I'm not. I've never committed adultery. Have you ever sinned at all? Then you're guilty of the law. The whole law. So you can't throw the stone, can you? There's no righteous pedestal for you to put yourself on to say, I've never done what He did. Therefore, I'm holier than Him, holier than Thou. We've all missed the mark. And without the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ, we would all be lost and damned forever. But thank God we're saved today. And God gave. God made the decision. I can send my Son to die for them. Or I can let them die in their sin and be lost. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now I'm a daddy and I've got two sons. And when my sons were seven, eight years old, I can't imagine. I cannot in my wildest imagination imagine being put in that kind of position. And yet God chose. And by the way, the Bible said that he commended his love to us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Peradventure for a good man, some may dare to die. But God said, I commended my love to you while you were in your sins. The innocent suffering for the guilty. So when Jesus came, he came To go to the cross. He came. That's why He came. That's why He took on flesh. So that He could be hung on that cross. So that flesh could be torn. And that flesh could be pierced. And that flesh could bleed until it bled out. For God so loved the world that He gave. And that's the kind of giving. That's the kind of cost did you know the father loved him? He said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And yet he listened to the cry of his son on the cross Eloi! Eloi, lama sabachthani! That's bad enough to know the suffering your son is going through, but to hear him crying to his daddy for help. And not being able to help him. Because if God had taken him off the cross or if Jesus had come down, and either could have occurred, God had the power to take him off and Jesus had the power to come down. Make no mistake about it, Roman soldiers didn't keep him on there. Roman armies couldn't keep him on there. Amen. The soldiers guarding at the foot of it couldn't keep him on there. The nails couldn't keep him pinned to that cross. When Peter tried to defend him, he said, I could have called the armies of heaven. (laughs) <laughs> Amen, put up your sword if i if I didn't want this to happen, if I didn't will it to happen, if I didn't surrender to the will of my Father for it to happen, if I didn't love enough for it to happen, I could call the armies of heaven and destroy everyone who hates me in the world that that uh, that that takes sick pleasure in my pain, but he stayed on the cross because he loved you and me for God so loved the fallen world that He gave. Do you understand the gift and what it cost the Father? If my son said, Daddy! 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 Where are you, Daddy? I would run to him. And I know you're a big, strong guy. And I'm going to tell you something. Adrenaline would kick in. I think if you were hurting my son, you'd have a time with this old man. (laughs) Amen? I'm serious. Something kicks in. There have been little women when the adrenaline kicked in in their intense love, their maternal love for their child or or a loved one. a, A car falls on someone changing a flat and this woman runs over. She's 98 pounds soaking wet and it has happened before. Reaches down, grabs that car and lifts it up. Now, he could bench press a Buick. If he did it, it wouldn't be no problem. Can you say amen? But if if a 98-pound woman that doesn't work out or anything else does it, then something is kicked in. And I got a feeling in those cases it's more than adrenaline. I got a feeling somebody says, Jesus! Amen. 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 And the power of God gets into play. And the angels of the Lord come on the scene. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. When you see the word gave, think of the man on the bridge making the decision to save those people that had no idea. In fact, witnessing to the world is telling them how much God loved them. And the length he has went to save them. The, go into the highway and hedge and compel them to come in. Don't just tell them you're on your way to hell. Don't you want to go to heaven? Tell them how much God loves them. You say, but wait a minute, Brother venerable, They're sinners. Well, see, that's the point of grace. For God so loved the fallen world. That he gave his only begotten son, can you say, man, he commendeth his love for us, said some so for some a good man may uh, uh, for a good man, some may die for a man for a man, some may die, some may die for another person, and for a very very good person, some may give their life for, but God commended his love, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us now it 'd be one thing for me to Stand in front of a bullet. Somebody trying to shoot up this place. So that Michael doesn't get killed. It'd be another thing. If there was a convicted felon in here. That had done terrible wrong and hadn't got saved. And I stood in front of him. And. Here's a worst-case scenario. What if it's my son that I place between him and who wants to hurt him? And I say, hurt my son. Make him suffer. Kill him, but don't hurt him. That's what it cost the father. He listened To the cries of His only begotten in whom He is well pleased. Eloi. Eloi. Because when He became, He that knew no sin, became sin, didn't sin nor become a sinner, but He became sin in the spiritual sense of substitute. Just like the Lamb represented the sin of the person. And when the Lamb was slain and the blood was spilled, That person could be forgiven. The innocent paying the price for the guilty. Unto us a child is born. The moment child is born. I see the manger. I see the magi. I see the shepherds. I don't necessarily see. The the cost from that moment. You see Jesus wasn't slain. In the mind and heart of God. When he hung on the cross. That's not when it happened. He is the Lamb, according to the Scripture, that was slain from the foundation of the world. You see, God calls the things not as though they were, because if He purposes it, hath He not said it, and will He not do it? God knew when He made man and gave him a free will that man had the capacity now to disobey to bring a curse Romans 6:16 6, whoever you yield your members servants to obey his servant you are whom you obey can you say man whoever we yield our see we have a free will whoever you decide to be your master and by the way Bob Dylan said it best in the song you may be, a, you may be a, a banker you may own tanks you may be a socialite with a long string of pearls but you got to serve somebody you got to serve oh come on whoever you yield your, your member's servant to obey his servant you are whether God unto righteousness or sin unto death but you have the freedom to choose God never takes that from you. He honors that will. And He knew when He gave man that free will, man could make the wrong choice. And if he did, he would need a Redeemer. So when man sinned in the garden, fellowship was broken with God, and man was naked and he knew it, he did not know shame. There was no sin. There was no conviction. But now... He's naked and he's ashamed and he's afraid. And you know what God begins to do to assuage his fear? Even though the curse couldn't be reversed at that time. By the way, the curse has been broken now. Hallelujah. I said the curse has been broken. Have over those that put their trust in Jesus Christ. I said the curse has been broken. Amen. Yeah, he became a what? A curse for us. For cursed is everyone. They considered everybody put on a cross to be cursed. Amen. Abandoned by God and cursed. And he was made a curse for us because of the cross. That we might be delivered from the curse of the law. What is the curse of the law? Sin is transgression of the law. And he that transgresses death is the penalty nothing less can you say man hallelujah oh my friend of mine I'm so glad that God loved enough to give his only begotten son for us a child is born holy wonderful but the moment that child was born a manifest son God incarnate The second person of the Godhead took on flesh. Hallelujah. And a son is given. A son is given. And if that isn't love. Have you ever heard that song? If that isn't love. Then the sparrow can't fly. There's no stars in the sky. If that isn't love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we should love Him back and give Him the gift. I'm talking about reciprocal love. I beseech you by what? Because God created you. You should love Him and serve Him because God gave Himself for you. You should love Him and serve Him. So you fulfill the commandment to love Him with all, not just because it's a commandment, but because your heart now, you, you really understand what it costs God and what it costs Christ to save you. And you want to give yourself away to Him. One man who became a missionary, a great missionary, they passed the offering plate. He didn't have a penny to put in it. (laughs) So he put the plate on the floor and he put his foot in it and said, Lord, I don't have no money to give, but I give you myself. And God made him a missionary to the nations. God made him a missionary to the nations. Listen, if you give God yourself, you may or may not go missionary to the nations. But I guarantee you, you will be a witness to your neighborhood. And you'll be a witness to the dry cleaning lady. And you'll be a witness at the Circle K to whoever serves you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Because the fragrance of Jesus will follow you around. My wife wore some special perfume. You know, you... He went to the doctor and she wore a special perfume that she'd gotten for Christmas and the doctor come out after, you know, the examination and everything, and he said, I'd like to take you and just set you in every one of my rooms. I thought look out, doctor. (laughs) You better watch out, Doc. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. look out now look out now that's my woman you're talking about there i know she smells awful good but she ain't your potpourri can you say man that perfume for me amen hallelujah amen she did smell good. I don't blame him. she just, you know, make the, the fragrance. What is the fragrance of Jesus? It's the love of God in our life. Flowing to us and then flowing through us. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. What kind of love is... Oh, I grew up in the 50s. And I like to take some of the 50s songs. I was on the Beeline Parkway. Anybody been on the Beeline? Amen. I was going to preach in Merritt Island and i was driving and cie was the big station back then and somewhere along the b line i couldn't get cie anymore but i got a 50 station and a song was playing and i sanctified it and took it out of out of the uh, uh you know out of the rock and roll genre and put it over in the in the in the praise the lord genre when the night has come and all is dark and the moon is the only light we see. No, I won't be afraid. No, I won't shed a tear. Just as long as you stand, stand by me. Stand by me. Stand by me. You remember that song, Stand By Me? You know, you know something? I, I took that and sung it as a praise while it was. I, I said, this, if you Listen. Listen, my wife, I love her, but there are things that, that she can't do for me. But there's no, no place I can be and nothing God can't do for me. So, Lord, when the night comes and the troubles come, stand by me. Hallelujah. And I just felt the Holy Ghost all over me. I just took it from the pop world and put it in my world. Praise God and sanctified it and give it to God. Amen. And you know something? I got home, got on the computer, looked up the background, and guess what? The guy who wrote the song, was it Sam Cooke, one of the? Benny King, one of those guys. They came up in church. They sung in a church choir. And you know what inspired the lyrics to that song? It wasn't about a woman. It wasn't, you know, I know Tammy Winnett wrote the song, Stand by your man. I like that song. I got it for Pamela right after we got married. and said. <laughs> Give him two arms to cling to. Give him all the love you can. Stand by your man. I want her to get that in her brain. Coal miner's daughter. My my wife is a coal miner's daughter. Stand by me. When the night is coming, all is dark. The troubles come stand by me I won't be afraid I won't shed a tear as long as you stand by me there's no woman can do that for you no man can do that for you but Christ can do and will do that for you Amen. so I found out the origins of the song was not a pop song it was based on Psalm 46 God is our refuge and our strength. Therefore, will not we fear though the mountains be removed and cast into the midst of the sea. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble hallelujah. So when the night comes, stand by me. I won't be afraid as long as you stand by me. Can you say man? Hallelujah. 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 They took it and took out the God part and the other part and and just turned it into a pop song. Uh, But it began with Psalm 46 that inspired it. So I didn't steal it from the pop world. It didn't start in the pop world. A lot of stuff over in the The soul music didn't start in the soul music realm. It didn't start in Detroit. It started in a church choir. When the anointed of God used to come down. And we sang the truth about God and the truth of His Word. And we praised and glorified Him. If you can't find Christian music, sanctify some other song. (laughs) And use it for God. Another one of those songs is that I sanctified for the Lord, I got happy driving on, on the beeline. It was just me and God. I got inspired. I got happy. Happy means your honey bucket gets turned over in your soul. You say, honey bucket? Yeah, you got one. You just don't know where it is. Can you say man? Amen? 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 You just hadn't seen it in a long time. Somebody... Uncle Bud Robinson from West Virginia or up in the mountains to preach the gospel. Thousands got saved under his ministry. He said, he said, he said, let the Holy Spirit, let God turn the honey bucket over in your soul. He said, and all of the, all of the people in the village will come buzzing around your house. Can you say that? They'll, they'll want to know what's going on at your house if that honey bucket ever gets turned over in you. If you ever get the joy of Jesus, they'll come buzzing. <laughs> Hallelujah. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For unto us a child is born. And at the moment that child was born, a son is given. What he prepared from the foundation of the world was manifest in Christ when he took on flesh. He took on flesh for a supreme reason so he could go to the cross. He didn't do miracles the first 30 years of his life. There's not one recorded miracle the first 30 years of his life. He didn't preach the first 30 years. He went to the temple and talked with those guys. And his parents got concerned when he was 12 and went to the temple. And said, come on home. You don't belong in here. And guess what he did? He went home and was subject to his parents. You want an answer? Did Christ take out the trash? Back when my sons were subject to me, they took out the trash. Amen. Amen. Now I takes out the trash. (laughs) Did he help his daddy in the carpentry? He was subject to his parents. He said, son, come on. I need you to hold this for me. I need you to nail this for me. He was right out there with his daddy. Like any other young man any other kid growing up except for the temple episode and after that they said they've never heard wisdom from anyone let alone a 12 year old boy like this but he went home and was subject to his parents and at 30 years of age he walked into the temple because then that's when a young man could read from the book and he picked the book up and he began to read From the book of Isaiah, where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he hath anointed me. Everybody's gaze sat on him. And when he finished reading, amen, uh, that, that portion of Scripture, it said that he said, This day, this Scripture is fulfilled in your ears. For three years, he taught and worked miracles. It was a very short journey. From that day to the cross. But he was on the way. From the day he was born, he was on the journey to the cross. So it wasn't his teaching ministry. We know that thou art a teacher sent from God, and what a teacher he was. But he only taught for three years. His major mission was not just to be a great teacher, he healed the sick, he did miracles. To the degree that they said if books were written, I suppose the libraries of the world couldn't hold the books if everything he did and said was logged in in three years. But that wasn't his primary ministry. His primary ministry was to go to the cross for you and me. For God so loved that he gave his only begotten son That whosoever would believe on him would not perish. What kind of love is this? I sanctified that song. After singing that other song, I found out I can sanctify rock and roll for God. And ever since then, I've been really into rock and roll. My feet are on the rock. And my name is on the roll. Can you say amen? Glory. How many, when the roll is called up yonder, do you expect to be there? Amen. I'm going to be there because I know what He's done for me and what it means to me. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many are going to love Him back this Christmas like you've never loved Him back? How many not just going to see the baby in the manger? You're going to see the baby that was the sacrificed lamb for you. And say, thank you, Jesus, for coming. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you that you're coming back again for me. What kind of, so I took another song, came on and after that, I sanctified it. I used to think of Pamela when I sang this song, till I sanctified it for the Lord. Are you ready to hear it? I'm, you're going to hear it anyway, you might as well say yes. What kind of love is this, that make me want to jump and shout? I want to know, what kind of love is this, that turned my whole life inside out? I get that itchy, you feeling down in my soul. Oh, come on. You used to get that itchy-gitchy feeling. You know what it used to feel like. Where is she? She's over there, but we'll tell her after church. Amen. You still remember. Can you say man? Hallelujah. You know what the Bible said? And here I am shouting victory, and I'm saying, Lord, your, your joy is overflowing in me. You know what the Bible said? Whom having not seen, you love. Whom having not seen you love with joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. When you can't find words to aptly describe how much you love the Lord. And aptly describe the indescribable gift. That's one of the reasons. Many reasons that God gave you the gift of tongues. Because in the front seat of that car on the beeline, amen, I quit singing and started just singing in tongues to the Lord. And saying in tongues to the Lord the overflowing joy of my heart. See, tongues are not just to give a message. And all tongues, and I have to discern it when it occurs, I've told you many times, that's that's a praise. That's not a message. It's not to be interpreted. That's a praise emanating from the heart unto God. I will praise God with my understanding. I will praise Him with my spirit. I'll sing with understanding. I will sing with the spirit. Can you say, man? When you sing with the spirit, you sing in that tongue that He's given you to express what human vocabulary, verbiage, and words cannot describe you begin to describe the indescribable. Hallelujah. For the Spirit searches. What? Who knows the Spirit of a man? But God Himself and God the Spirit searches the deep things and when He finds that love in your heart, He will give you the desire and the means to express it. Building yourself up on your most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost. I will pray with my understanding and I will pray with the Spirit. I'll sing with my understanding. I will sing with the Spirit. Sometime let Him loose. Sometime allow Him to come through. He's in there for a reason. Hallelujah, praise God. Hallelujah, get enough joy. Get your honey bucket turned over. Get the joy of the Lord in your life sometime. What kind of love is this? That makes me want to jump and shout and turns my life inside out. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my king, would die for me? I'm going to read in closing something from kids between the age of four and eight when asked to define love but let me read Romans 8:32 and see if this helps your faith today it said he who did not spare remember the bridgman on the train he that did not spare Romans 8:32 as we close he that did not spare he that did not spare his own son but gave him up For us all. Is that in line with unto us a child, a son is given? Do you understand what given means for God so loved that he gave? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, us all, include yourself. Don't exclude yourself. Don't think that the reason God is answering my prayer is because He loves me because I'm spiritual and I'm, I'm, I'm a preacher and I've, I've lived for God all of these years. No, he, he started loving me when He started loving you while I was yet a sinner. Enough to do what? To give me His Son. Can you say amen? Amen. Don't exclude yourself from that kind of love. Gave him up for how many of us? All of us. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not with him also give us all things? If he wouldn't withhold heaven, do you think that do you think if you needed some food from his pantry, that the God that let that bridge down on his son to save you? That he would not give you something from his pantry that you needed. If he's already proved his love by, by putting his your life more valuable than his own son's life. God is saying the same thing. He said you can doubt a lot of things but don't doubt how much I love you. Not after the cross. You may doubt it and discuss it before the cross. But don't you ever doubt it after the cross. Don't exclude yourself from my love. If He spared not His Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him freely give us all things? And what is the all things He gives us? I'm glad that you ask. 2 Peter 9 and verse 3. According to His divine power, hath given us all things that pertain to life, hath, past tense, given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called you to glory and virtue. Hath given us anything you're receiving that pertains to life or godliness, God has provided it already in Christ for you. Yes. So don't try to get Him to decide to do it. Receive and claim what is yours already. Amen. Someone says spiritual maturity is not gaining more, it's realizing what was yours from the beginning and if somebody don't tell you what is yours you can't claim it if if somebody in here knows somebody that leaves me a million dollars i hope that somebody tells me so i can claim it amen There's something in here way beyond millions of dollars in the Word of God. I can tell you about it, but you're the only one that can receive it by faith. Hath given us doesn't mean he has to decide to do it. It means he's decided to do it, and he's done it in Christ. If he gave his Son, won't he give us all things 1-3, 1-3, 2 Peter 1-3 instead of 9-3. Okay, if you're looking at 9-3, you're way off, way off. <laughs> I'm glad the professor is here to keep me straight. Second Peter 1-3, according to his divine power, hath given us what? All things that pertain to what? Life and godliness. He came to give us life and that more abundantly. He's made the provision in Jesus for that. Praise God. He's, he's called us to godliness. And He gives us the power. It's, he doesn't only will it in us. It said He's going to do it in us. Praise God. Hallelujah. The supreme issue of faith is not getting God to give us our need. But to receive what He has already provided. With His stripes you are healed. In Isaiah chapter 53, 5. But 1 Peter two twenty-four after the cross... Reads differently. Because what was prophesied has been fulfilled at the cross. And it says, who himself bear our sins in his own body, with whose stripes, are you ready? You were healed and that's why it said if there be any sick call the elders anoint them with oil why because the provision has been made in Jesus because he's loved us enough to give us his son how will he not also with him freely give us all things what is the all things everything that pertains to life and godliness everything you'll need in life and everything you'll need to live for God has been given us in Jesus Christ hallelujah Woo! And I'm one of those people that are going to come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace to help when I have a need because my needs are supplied in Jesus before I even ask for it. I don't come to get him to give. I come to receive what he's provided. There's a vast difference. And that's why whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe. At that moment. Does God have the power to do it? Yes. Does God have the wisdom? He's all-knowing. Uh, is He present? He's all-ever-present. So what is the issue? Does He love me enough to do it for me? You've got to get out of that and go a step further in your faith and say, He loved me enough that He's already done it for me. I come to receive what He has provided. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. For God so loved that He gave. Everybody say, what kind of love is this? That makes me want to jump and shout. Now, I know some of you almost choked on that, but one day you'll get it. I got it on the Beeline Expressway. So that night I was going to preach. They put me up in a motel in Merritt Island. That night I preached. And I'm going to tell you, I went in there. I didn't go in there to get joy. I went in there with joy. I was kind of like Chris Tomlin. He said, he said uh, he's a worship leader in a church as well as, as, as just a, a gospel artist. He said, I don't like to be called a worship leader. I want to be called the lead worshiper. You, did you get that? A worship leader sings songs because that's his job. A lead worshiper praises God because that's his God. Do you understand why he wanted that title? I don't li- I'm not a worship leader. That's not my job. I don't get paid to get out here and sing on key. I, 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 I would, I, I, I'm not out here to get paid as a job, as a worship leader. I'm out here with joy to praise my King and honor my God. Hallelujah. What a difference. I'm the lead worshiper. And you know what? I do a lot more than just preach around here. I want to be a lead worshiper too. Amen. Hallelujah. Sometimes you'll hear me say, Woo! Because the joy comes up. My honey bucket just got turned over. Say, Brother but why do you do that? Because I can't contain it. And if somebody, as nonchalant as you are, and reserved as you may be, if somebody... Gave you a check for a million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Sis, do it again. Come on. i do all the shouting around here. If somebody gave you a check for one million dollars. <laughs> oh, I hear you back there. Come on. I knew you got a honey bucket. I knew you had a honey bucket. Amen. You did it, didn't you? Was it Willie? (laughs) It wasn't you? Are you sure? (laughs) All right. Praise God. Put him on a horse and give him a hat. Can you say amen? Glory be to God. Hallelujah. You wouldn't react? You wouldn't respond? Amen. I got something? Listen. Oh, oh! what we have in Jesus, the, the riches of, that we have in Christ, the unspeakable, indescribable gift of God's Son and the gift of His life. Hallelujah. Praise God. There's nothing to compare it with. That's why someone said, look well upon this rugged cross and fix it in your mind. In, that in the midst of Christmas, joy is the cross of Christ you find. For all our celebration at Christmas time this year, unless it centers in the cross, will bring no lasting cheer. How many realize that? Toys are going to break, batteries are going to go down, kids are going to get bored with it. So I'm going to say again as we get ready to close if our life isn't cross centered, it's off centered. Listen to me carefully. A group of professional people pose this question to a group of four to eight year olds. What does love mean? Now we know the true spiritual meaning is God given his son and Jesus given his life. No man takes my life. I have the power to lay it down. and I have the power to take it up again. But no man takes it from me without my consent. And love held him to the tree for you and me. So this group of professionals got together four- to eight-year-olds because you can always find some Ph.D., whatever, somebody, some psychologist, psychiatrist, social uh, analyst uh, that can try to define love. (laughs) What what was the love story thing? Love is never having to say you're sorry. In other words, never messing up because you love too much to all phooey. Everybody say P-H-O-O-E-Y. Phooey. Yeah, I know you don't spell too good. Just say phooey. Amen. That's phooey. Amen. I, I apologize when I know that I'm upset or I'm cross or, or I've, I've spoken in anger to my wife. Amen. So here's the answer. Rebecca, age eight. I love the, what these kids said about love. When my grandmother got arthritis... She couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time. Even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love. It's not a feeling. David Wilkerson said it's an act. It's not what you feel at any given moment. It's what you do. It's what you do. Billy, age four, said when someone loves you, The way they say your name is different. You just know your name is safe in their mouth. That's the way Billy sees it. Terry, age four, T-E-R-R-I. Love is what makes you smile when you're tired. Amen. Danny, age seven, love is when my mommy makes coffee for my daddy. And she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure it tastes okay. That's love. Emily, age 8. Love is when you kiss all the time. Then when you get tired of kissing, you still want to be together and you talk more. My mommy and daddy are like that. They look gross when they kiss. But he's got that right about, you know, you can't just kiss all the time. Sometimes you got to just like being together without kissing all the time. Amen? Remember when you were dating? You didn't have a console in the middle? Back, you that are before consoles? So you could sit side by side? Look like a two-headed person is driving the car. You sit so close. Time your fifth anniversary rolls around. No one's going to mistake that anymore. Okay. One man said, well, I didn't move. Well, you can't move because you're driving the car. So that don't work. Bobby, age seven, says, Love is what's in the room with you at Christmas if you stop opening presents and listen. Wow. What a profound statement. Love is what's in the room with you at Christmas. When you stop opening presents long enough to listen. Wow. Nika, age six. If you want to learn how to love better, you should start with a friend you hate. Yeah. Yeah. Love your enemies. Oh, it's easy to love your buddy, your friend, your spouse, but love your enemy. Noel, age seven. Love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt. And he wears it every day. (laughs) Hallelujah. Tommy, age six, said, Love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends even after they know each other so well. That's pretty neat. Amen. Cindy, age eight, During my piano recital, I was on a stage and I was scared. I looked at all the people watching me and saw my daddy waving and smiling. He was the only one doing that. I wasn't scared anymore. (laughs) Hallelujah. Wouldn't it be great to hear God singing over us this morning? He said to ancient Israel, I will rejoice over thee with singing, thou shalt be dandled upon my knees. I mean, it's one thing for us to sing to God. It's another thing. To know that God sings a love song over you. Can you say man? Hallelujah. See, that's why Peter, it's easy to show our humility and our devotion by wanting to do something for God. What will you let God do for you? Woman who worked for a rich man scrubbing his floors on her hands and knees with a scrub bucket, scrubbing those those tiles in the entryway in Italy. She was always singing. He couldn't get over her singing while working so hard and making so little. Just a servant lady. And he said, he said, what, what is the reason for your happiness, your joy? You're always singing. She said, well, sir. She said, I'm a Christian. And she said, while I'm working, I think about how much God loves me. And I just can't help. But sing. And she said. And when I'm not working. Sometimes I just sit still. And let God love me. And I sing. Hallelujah. 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 Would it, could, is, it, is it possible to let God love you enough. That your fear is assuaged you know that he will stand by you today hallelujah hallelujah i look at worried christians worrying themselves sick and sometimes when i go to pray for them i'm praying for physical ailments but the need is much deeper than the physical i'm praying for the physical that's been affected by a spiritual issue that needs to be addressed Because they don't have any peace. They're living under constant stress and the body is reacting. Stress breaks down the immune system and makes us vulnerable to every disease that's going out there. Friend of mine, if we could get the peace of God and the joy of Jesus, can you say man? They said women can live 10 years longer if they have an optimistic attitude. And you know what the optimistic attitude in the spiritual sense and the biblical sense? Amen. Serve the Lord with gladness. 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 And gladness is the joyful anticipation of future good. Right where we are in the midst of the trial and the test, we know that all things are working together for good and, and when the when the when the dust settles and the and, and all of the smoke is dissipated of battle, that we are standing because he's standing with us and he's accomplished something in our life, and the devil is defeated and Jesus is lifted up and we triumph in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, he hath made me glad more than the time that their corn and their wine did increase. The glad anticipation of future good, that's what hope is all about, biblically defined. Hallelujah, glory to God. I like this, I like this. Love is when mommy gives daddy Elaine five. Love is when mommy gives daddy a piece of chicken. The best piece of chicken. Chris, age seven. Love is when mommy sees daddy smelly and sweaty and still says he's handsomer than Robert Redford. I don't know if you've seen Redford lately, but Pete's dragon, he's 80. And he don't look a day over 79. That means he looks his age. Okay, moving right along. Lauren, age four. I know my older sister loves me because she gives me her old clothes and has to go out and buy new ones. <laughs> oh, Lauren, just keep thinking that and you'll be just fine. Right. <laughs> and then there's Karen, age seven. When you love somebody, your eyelashes go up and down and little stars come out of you. Your eyelashes go up and down and little stars come out of you when you love somebody. Amen. Oh, Mark, age six. Everybody say Marky Mark. Listen to what Marky says, age six. Love is when mommy sees daddy on the toilet and doesn't think it's gross. Now that's love. Somebody look at somebody and say, now that's love. And Jessica, age 8, you really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot because people forget. Tell the people you love that you love them. Amen? Tell the people you love you love them. James Taylor song, shower the people you love with love. I've conducted too many funerals where people are trying to love on a corpse. They had all kinds of opportunities to love on that person when they were alive and they missed them. And now their heart is broken because they really love them. They just didn't tell them and show it. So now's the time. We don't know who's going to get the next up, uplift elevator to heaven. So we need to love each other today. Can you say "Man"? And the final one. Author and lecturer Leo Biscaglia once talked about a contest he was asked to judge. The purpose of the contest was to find the most caring child. The winner was a four-year-old child whose next-door neighbor was an elderly gentleman who had recently lost his wife. Upon seeing the man cry, the little boy went into the old gentleman's yard, climbed up on his lap, and just sat there with him. Just sat there in his lap. When his mother asked what he had said to the neighbor, the little boy said nothing. I just helped him cry. I just helped him cry. For God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. For unto us a child is born, a son is given. if God loved us enough to give us his only begotten son how will he not also with him give us all things he hath given us all things that pertain to life and godliness hallelujah so when we come to the throne of grace to obtain grace and mercy we know the God that we're dealing with has already given his son he's not going to be tight fisted He's not going to hold back any good thing. Can you say, man? And that's why we can, when we pray, believe that we receive. Because we know the person that we're dealing with has loved us with that kind of love. And you know what it should stimulate here today? So revival can come to your life and mine. That we would love Him back. If I was on that train having my breakfast oblivious to the fact that a father had given his son and a son's life had been taken so I could be safe across that chasm in that river. So I would not die. And I found out what really happened. I would make it my personal business to go up to that man and say, sir, I know you don't know me, but I was on that train and I want to thank you With everything I have and everything I am, I want to thank you for what you've done for me. If the church of Jesus Christ gets their gratitude back for the cross, we will see a Holy Ghost revival. I have prophesied it before, and I'm going to say, not predict, but prophesy, I feel that anointing on me right now. The revival that will continue till Christ comes and actually bring him back. The revival that will sweep over a nation and over people is a revival that has for a foundation there will be gifts, there will be miracles, healing is being restored. Healing is being restored to God's people. For with His stripes we were healed. It's being restored to God's people. There's a movement that said there are no miracles. And that movement is the devil trying to hold back. And it may come through preachers that, that, that are embarrassed because of the barrenness of answered prayer in their midst. The sick guy like anybody else. There's no one to stand by them. They don't call the elders to pray because the days of miracles are over. There's a vacuum for the presence and power of God. And we're satisfied with the program that's so full of human activity. And no evidence of the supernatural from beginning to end. And the people don't fare any better than the person who's got a, a, a two cases of beer in his boat and headed out to the bay on Sunday. He gets sick, he dies. They get sick, they die. And Pentecost can't say anymore, we've got the power. We've got the building. We've got the preacher. We've got the programs. man came to... Lay our towel, goes to a church of 5,000. You know what he said? He said there's 1,500 events on our calendar for the coming year. 1,500 events in a 12-month period. And what draws in the crowd is celebrity singers and celebrity preachers. without the celebrity draw they don't come to be taught the word of God and when the celebrity leaves the tepid lukewarmness seeps right back in amen and the healing revivals didn't last they didn't last in the past they don't last now a gifted preacher Without an appreciation for the cross. Without a love being developed for Jesus Christ. Listen folks, you can get thousands of people to get in line and stand in it. I've been in those lines till one o'clock in the morning to get hands laid on. And you can't get 50 of them to Sunday school to learn about God. You can't get them in church on many Sundays unless you've got a celebrity to entertain them. And the prayers. I've been around preachers my whole life. And I've been around preachers I'd share a testimony with and and they would look away. Instead of rejoice with them that rejoice, look away. Because when I start telling what God is doing, there is a conviction that comes on them. Because they can't say the same thing. They can't say that God hears and answers prayer. They are not men of the cloth in terms of prayer. They are not intercessors. They're men who are are good at programs. They're men at good at at entertainment for the people. They have their their, their plan is already in effect to entertain. There are people that will drive fifty miles to see a living Christmas tree, which is beautiful. If we had 150 people and to build the ladders and put, put I started to say put palmettas around them, but put, come on. And rap it's beautiful. There's nothing wrong with them all singing. Oh, little town of Bethlehem and looking like a giant. What is this thing? A poinsettia. I could come out today and we could just sing Christmas songs and I could wear this on my head. And you'd be entertained. You'd say, I ain't never seen nothing like that. Preacher preaching with a poinsettia on his head. You've got to come to church with me. He's going to do it again tonight. You won't want to miss it. It's something to see. I'm not against the Christmas tree thing. What I'm saying is if we didn't entertain, if we didn't entertain... If we didn't entertain, where's the people with a heart to worship God? And say, if you don't have a big orchestra, and if you don't have a big-name singer coming in from Nashville, my God deserves my praise. He inhabits the praise of my people. God has given His Son. Jesus has given His life. I'm going to praise Him. I want somebody to worship Him. I don't want a worship leader. I want to lead worshiper to lead me into worship of the living God. Now, that's where I'm coming from. Hallelujah. And without it, guess what's going to happen? Our leanest service for attendance. It's going to be Christmas morning. Christ's birthday without any guest. Because we're selling his birthday. We, we're we're going to celebrate his birthday by doing something for ourselves amen amen and I've been doing this for 43 years in January and I've always had a grieved heart two times of the year concerning God's people and where they are spiritually as a pastor number one is Christmas I got On his birthday, you're going to celebrate you. God must be very proud of that outfit. You're going to celebrate you on his birthday. Amen? I'm going to do something fun for me on his birthday. I thought it was about him. I really thought Christmas among Christians, and we get all bent out of shape because they won't let us put a manger scene in the town square. And we ought to be bent out of shape, but it don't seem to bother us to lavish all the stuff on us. Amen? Easter. Where are the worshipers? One time I was asked to have a Good Friday service. We had a Good Friday service. But it wasn't a good service because there was hardly anyone to attend it. Two or three. You were two of the three. Because why? Because <laughs> we've been ready. It's Easter. We've got to get a ham. We've got to color eggs. It's Christmas. we got things to do. We've got to cook a turkey. We've got to get some dressing going. And you know what? That's the Christian faith. But the Muslim, worshiping his false god and his children, even if they're on an airplane, Orlando International Airport has built a prayer room For Muslims waiting for their flights. So they can listen. They don't have to build one for Christians. Because Christians ain't concerned about none of that stuff. Come on. But they are. Are you giving them kudos? No. I'm telling you. That there's something wrong when Christians can't worship the true and the living God. And people worshiping a false God are doing it with everything they got. So church is in the entertainment business. And that's why the sick stay sick. The spiritually sick stay spiritually sick. The desire to be in God's house is gone. The desire to fellowship with God's people is gone. The desire for God's Word is gone. The desire for God's worship is gone. So the church had better be good at entertaining. Because if she can't entertain... They're not coming. Not for Jesus. Not for Jesus. You know I'm telling you the truth. And if it was just the secular world, or if it's just the churches who don't believe in the Holy Spirit and the presence and power of God, it would be different. But in Pentecostal circles today, something is amiss. Something is awry. Something is wrong. And we need it back. How many believe God deserves reciprocal love? We need to love Him back for loving us that much. How many believe that this Christmas you'll never find it? You'll never find it in any carnival. You'll never find it at Disney World. You won't find Oh, by the way, you can go to Disney World Christmas Eve. You can you can go to Busch Gardens two days before Christmas. You can you can arrange things. You can You can do a lot of cooking on Christmas Eve. If the meal is the major thing about Christmas. But if you don't worship God on Christmas. It came to me. We're going to be so sparse on Christmas. We'll just have a little candlelight Christmas Eve service and call it. No. God checked me and said. Don't you do that. I don't care if three people show up don't you dishonor me like that. I'm sorry, Lord. It just hurts me so bad to see a holy day like this in Christendom turned into a commercial holiday just like the world. You know what we spend on lights? Alone? And I got lights at my house. I celebrate. I'm not Scrooge. A hundred... And thirty billion, with a B. One hundred and thirty billion dollars at Christmas, just for lights. That's not presents or anything or food. Just the lights. We in America spend one hundred and thirty billion dollars to celebrate. Because we don't mind splurging on something we enjoy. We don't mind giving to something that we immediately get gratification from. Do we? But when it comes time to say, God, I love you, and to show it, that's when it begins to break down. And that's why God said to the church of Ephesus when he began to talk to the seven. I know your works and he commended everything they were doing. They were doctrinally pure. They would not tolerate false apostles. They were persecuted for their stand and their faith. They, they dug into their dogma and it was correct and he commended them. But he said, I got somewhat against you. And can, what would it be? What this model church up until now. What could possibly be against them? He said, you've left your first love. You used to come to church because you loved me. You used to read my word not to win an argument doctrinally over someone. You used to read it because you were hungry in your soul. You wanted more of me. You used to worship because you couldn't wait to tell me how much you love me. and Show it in worship. You used to serve me because you loved me and you wanted to please me. Remember from whence thou art fallen. That means remember when you had a pure heart. Remember when you loved me from your heart. And repent and do your first works. Don't wait for a feeling. If you know you're not doing what you used to do, start doing it, and guess what? The feeling will return. But it doesn't start with a feeling. It starts with doing what you used to do because what you used to do is what you did when you loved, and when you do what you did when you loved, you're going to start loving again. If I go around before I press the button and open the door for my wife, I almost give up on it completely because... We push the button, the door opens. I can't beat her to the door. I'm 70. I can't, I can't beat her anymore. But I wouldn't mind at all opening the door for my wife like I used to do. There are times when I better buy some flowers or candy or something because it's Valentine's Day. And there's no air conditioning in my doghouse that I get in, amen there's no pool taper in there like Snoopy's can you say man? so I would better and I see men just like me if I'm doing it because it's Valentine's Day and I better get her a card and I see those desperate men waiting till the last minute knowing I'm in the doghouse if I don't and all the good ones are gone but this one has a pretty picture on it I better grab me something I gotta get me something before I get to the house you know that's the wrong attitude to do anything with Amen. Amen. But if I say, I want I want I want to show her that I love her, you know what she'd rather get than a Valentine's card? Me to vacuum the floor and do the dishes. Now that's love. <laughs> Amen. You want to love me while I'm gone to get my hair done? Let me come back and find that you vacuum the floor. In fact, I have learned how to use the washing machine. Don't tell her. <laughs> Amen. I've learned how to fold clothes. I've learned how to do a lot of things, and I love to help her. Because when I was pastoring and working, she came over while I was at work, and I got a warning for a taillight on my truck. She knew I'm wore out at the end of the day. I'm pastoring. I'm visiting the hospital. I'm working. I'm taking care of my loved ones. She came over to my job in the parking lot in the heat of summer and got a screwdriver and changed, pulled that. Some taillights are hard to get to. She had to find out how to get around back and get this out and move that out to get a bulb in and put it in my taillight. And I came out not worrying about the popo pulling me again. Can you say, man, for my bad taillight, I just don't like being pulled by the popo, even though they're not going to do nothing but give me a warning. It's just a bad feeling when them lights come on. You know what I'm saying? I don't like to see them lights come on. Amen. <laughs> she put a taillight in my truck, and I said, Lord, that's the love. I didn't ask her to do that. I didn't complain about it. I was going to get around to it, but she knew I was going to be wore out, and she put the taillight in my truck. And I thought, that woman out there in 95 degrees putting a taillight in my pickup truck. Thank you, Lord, for that lady. And thank you for that love that's still in her heart for me. Hallelujah, that she would do that for me. Now, what can I do for her? Can you say, man, i got to close. i got to close. Will you stand to your feet? God is good today. God is good today. God is good today.